but being able to trace faster and, and pull product back faster is essential to um, health and safety of, of humans as well as uh, animals as well. If we have issues on a product that's going into animal feed. And so um, I, I think naturally the human food side is always kind of a moving ahead on, on more regulatory, more, um, you know, um, updates on audits that we need to keep up with. But uh, the, you know, animal feed industry is also, um, I think, keeping an eye on that as well. Uh, because they're, like I said, just creating a quality product is is essential. And so if we're doing something right in the human food side, we need to follow that through with the animal feed side as well. A whole new era of communication in the feed mill industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global feed mill industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a feed mill, to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. Welcome to the Feed Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the global feed mill industry. Hello and welcome to the Feed Science Podcast. I'm Adam Farinules, and today my guest is another K-Stater. We've had a group of those so far on the podcast, and being the Feed Science Podcast, we'll probably continue to have more. Uh, my guest today is Grace Hagenmeyer, who has been in the feed industry in a couple different roles, but is now more on the human food side with the Christie's Company. So welcome, Grace. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So I think one of the uh, interesting things that we'll get into with you is um, some of the interesting things as you have moved from the feed side to the uh, or from the animal food side to the human food side. But if you would give us um, a bit of your background uh, going and going back to what got you interested in the the feed side of things and how you ended up uh, doing your your work there at K-State as a student um, and then your stops along the way and then a bit about what you uh, do now. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up not too far from Manhattan, so my exposure to the feed science program uh, was pretty close. I grew up in a rural community, and that got me interested in uh, being involved in the rural agricultural uh, aspects of, of life. And uh, feed science was where I you know, started off my educational career. I uh, graduated in 2013 with my undergraduate and continued on for my master's. Um, really enjoyed my time there. Uh, had a lot of focus on, like you said, animal feed um, and did swine nutrition focus with my graduate program. Um, from there, I started with a nutrition company that um, I traveled the Midwest and worked with pork producers and supported them in their business on um, trying to focus on nutritional needs that they needed. Uh, my life changed um, about see, three years into that and moved back to Kansas with my husband, where we started to grow our uh, farming and ranching business. And um, so I also changed my career and started with a company here called the Krusty's Company as a quality assurance manager. My educational background helped me get this position because several of the employees here are um, milling science graduates. So they understood my manufacturing background and knew that it would be a good support in the manufacturing plant here. Um, just it was an, it was a 180 from animal feed to human food. Uh, it was, you know, 
what really supported me was having a good background of plant and corporate employees that, you know, knew that they could help support me in understanding that shift. But knowing there's a lot of underlying ties between the feed manufacturing uh, and food manufacturing when it comes to quality assurance and regulatory. Sure. Yeah. So for the listeners that aren't aware, uh, Grace referenced the the milling science program. So they're the grain science department at Kansas State. There's basically three undergraduate programs. There's the the feed science, the milling science and the baking science. And, um, oh, I would say 50 eh, percent of our in in department curriculum, at least when I was a student um, and, and Grace would have been an undergrad when I was finished up my graduate school. Uh, it is kind of shared between them. So there's a fair amount of overlap before the students go off into their various different uh, kind of specialties. So that does make a certain amount of sense that, you know, a lot of those, some of those core coursework kind of things that you would have done as an undergrad um, would certainly apply to going into a, a human food, uh, a kind of a, a, the milling science uh, or, or food production background, I suppose. Right, right. And I, I really enjoyed that moving back to kind of more of a hands-on position here where um, it was about the efficiency of, of the processing and the steps that uh, that we're doing here to make the products that we are, uh, that we're making. So um, it was, a, a you know, a shift from animal feed to human food, but it was also a shift back into a hands-on position, which is what, you know, we, we learned a lot about in our, uh, in our degree at K-State. Absolutely. So to give folks a bit of an idea, you know, hopefully most that are, are tuning into this have a pretty good idea of at least sort of what goes into uh, animal animal feed or animal food manufacturing. Although we hope we get some interested listeners who are actually trying to learn something new. So we're, we talk about the things that go into that as well. But um, what kind of products now do you work with there at the Christie's company? Right. So Krusty's, um, most people would, you know, recognize from the pancake mix. That's the bread and butter of the company, which is based out of Seattle. Um, but here in Manhattan, we are their newest plant uh, that, that has trail mix as well as toasted wheat germ. So it's kind of like having two plants in one. Uh, Kretschmer product, which is our toasted wheat germ, has been here since the 70s. And so um, the company bought uh, bought that bought this plant to uh, grow that brand as well as purchasing a trail mix um, brand that, that has been growing as well. So it's it's kind of an old and new um, plant all in one. And uh, so that's that's what we're making. So I have a you know, hands-on experience with wheat um, from my family farm and understanding toasting wheat germ and where that comes from in the milling side. Um, but I'm learning a lot when it comes to fruits and nuts and the harvesting <laughs> and the quality of those ingredients uh, as well. So those obviously are coming from very different regions from Kansas. Uh, but um, on a quality assurance standpoint, those are the two different kind of aspects of products that are making of uh, toasted wheat germ as well as a trail mix that includes many different varieties of ingredients sure. processed and raw. So the, you know, in the interesting, I guess, kind of you know, allegory or, or similarity, something we, we would do on the animal food side is it, it's still going to end up about being doing that quality assurance on the ingredients coming in and the ingredients right. have to be shipped and received and stored and batched and mixed and packaged and all that kind of stuff. And whether, you know, a, I mean, heck in today's day and age, there's uh there's, plenty of things going out as animal food that are 
pretty close and I'm saying pretty close and now I'm thinking if I go walk through the pet store, I bet you I can find something called trail mix that's, you yeah. know, a, an animal food product, right? So in a lot <laughs> of ways, it, it from your particular role, other than specific regulatory things that are very defined for human food, a lot of the process is actually probably pretty similar as far as tracking everything through and the kind of things you have to pay attention to. Right. Traceability is, is a big part of that. Uh, making sure that we can, if if need be, do a recall. Um, we do practice mock recalls all throughout the year. Um, when we have an auditing agency come in, we, we have to prove that we can do a uh, recall on any product packaging material uh, forward to back where it went to where it came from what it touched what line what day uh, and being able to do that is is essential um, on you know a human safety standpoint we don't want to have any product out in this um, in the market that we can't trace back and recall if needed um, so that's that's a very big aspect of the, um, our audit auditing process sure so Based on your, you know, your your education and going through the feed science program, and then doing a master's on in, in looking at you know swine nutrition, spending some time out there in the in the feed world on the allied side, getting into a lot of different facilities, all that kinds of things, and then now in your what you're doing now, what would you say are some of the the biggest differences between the the animal food and the the human food side, and then some of the things that people might be surprised. I mean, we just talked about some of the similarities from a an overall kind of process flow that can be somewhat similar or even some of the regulatory things. But what do you think might be some, so the differences, but also what do you think might be some of the things that people might be surprised with as actually this is, you know, hey, you when you think about you're getting your livestock feed, it's actually pretty similar to what we're doing here on human food side or right. and, and vice versa. Right, right. Um, kind of going back to that that traceability and being able to to do recalls every um, every week. I do a recall update on industry recalls that are going on that could be relevant to um, to our plant, whether that's uh, ingredients or packaging. Just seeing what's going on in the industry and being aware of what's uh, what's happening. And it's interesting when I when I research some recalls that are currently happening, I see a lot of pet food uh, recalls that are just as much, uh, you know, in the news as, as ice cream. You know, it's, it's just as important. It's going into our home. Um, it's going into animals and, and pets that, that we care for uh, just as much as we care for our families. And so, um, you know, the, the traceability and the tracking of, of ingredients uh, is, is very important. Um, Another aspect of uh, recalls that I've noticed um, and I found an article on was, you know, the number of recalls may not be going down, but the quantity of product that we're recalling is. And what that kind of triggers to me is that we're able to catch things faster um, and have a tighter hold on on understanding of how much product is going out. It may not be 100,000 pounds of it product excess being recalled. It may just be a thousand pounds. Now a recall is unfortunate no matter the size of the of the product that we're recalling. Um, but being able to trace faster and and pull product back faster is essential to um, health and safety of, of humans as well as uh, animals as well. If we have issues on a product that's going into animal feed. And so um, I I think Naturally, the human food side is always kind of a 
moving ahead on on more regulatory, more, um, you know, um, updates on audits that we need to keep up with. But uh, the, you know, animal feed industry is also, um, I think, keeping an eye on that as well, uh, because they're, like I said, just creating a quality product is is essential. And so if we're doing something right in the human food side, we need to follow that through with the animal feed side as well. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. We always, um, you know, I, I think uh, we always do end up looking from the animal food side into the human food, I think, for a lot of the direction and the innovation. And a lot of that certainly is is an economic thing as much as anything else, you know, kind of follow the money. There's more margin on the human food side, um, more, you know, profits to invest in the innovation as an industry. And then those those technologies or thought processes or regulations or um, third-party programs, whatever they are, uh, once they kind of get figured out at that level, then there's something that the animal food side can invest in as well. Um, after you know some proof of concept has, has been handled on the human food side, um, and so I think a lot of folks that might not be familiar with with either would actually be surprised at just how close um, some of those those processes are. And, and like you said, there is some obviously some natural difference, and we would expect to walk into a a, a you know, older feed mill and an older feed mill versus a brand new food plant, there's going to be a, a vast difference in what it looks like as I'm looking around, right? And, you know, stainless right. steel and epoxy floors and everything versus, you know, in some cases still old wood facilities with wood bins and things like that, which of, of course doesn't make it to say that any of that doesn't work or isn't safe. There's still some really good facilities out there that are doing those things. Uh-huh. Um, but that a lot of the processes behind the scenes that are happening as far as quality control or preventive maintenance are things that have been, you know, borrowed from that human food side to keep the animal food side of things, of things running. So I imagine there is some, some crossover there. Right, right, right. Uh, when you think about the number of people that have almond farms to be able to, you know, trace almonds to the number of people that are wheat farmers, it's, it's a very different aspect. And so, um, yeah, you're right. It is kind of following the dollar, but also following the efficiencies of what, um, you know, policies and processes are working. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, from a, just kind of a more general sense, uh, when you think about your, your education going through and in, in this case, learning about, um, animal food and, and feed science to start with, um, but really it, it could have been human food. It's something related to that that food production uh, kind of a background. And we've obviously got a lot of different uh, places around the country that are have different programs, whether that be, you know, the feed science program at Kansas State or, you know, we've got the minor here at uh, NC State. There are all kinds of ag engineering programs around that are doing a lot of things related to grain storage and handling all those different kind of things. When you think about kind of what you learned in your formal education about what this whole kind of animal food, human food, I guess, agricultural processing world, what it was all about from your your formal education in school versus what you learned on the job over you know your three year stint in the animal food side and now working in the human food side, what do you think are some of the things that were kind of, this is what I learned in, in school and on the job, this is what I really learned. What are some <laughs> of those things that you can think of? Very true. Um, you know, that, that's a very good question. Um, learning things hands-on 
is so much different than reading it out of a book. And um, I'd say management of people has been the uh, most eye-opening, especially in the role that I have right now. I had a a little bit of exposure to that in my first um, position, but uh, now, you know, in a manufacturing plant, you're working with people all day, every day. And, um, you know, managing people to be efficient um, in the jobs that you're doing and creating a, a successful team uh, in any any kind of job is is really key and uh, that was a learning curve for me and um, I think for anyone coming out of school or uh, you know starting a new management role of any position uh, you know hands-on learning, but also having uh, support, um, having good mentors uh, is is key. And so uh, any successful business has um, a good focus on on management. Yeah, it's something that we, uh, you know, it's funny, we, we get told that a lot, I, I think, from our, our stakeholders, uh, you know, okay, your, your students are coming out, and I, I imagine this is true for programs everywhere, your mm-hmm. students are coming out and Good job preparing them technically. They they are very technically sound. They have they have learned the content. They know what this is or what to do about that that sort of thing. Um, we we do hear critical thinking and kind of you know taking A plus B and making C out of it. But we hear what you just said. I think a lot too, which is yeah, but the first they have to learn how to manage is people, and they've gone through school. And other than maybe you know a. a, a holding a job of, of some sort, maybe having to do some of that. Um, but most of the time you get hired out and you're now a professional and you walk in and they say, okay, you know, here's your team or here's the people that respond, you know, that you're responsible for directing or whatever. And I think that's a, uh, I think that's a shock to some to, well, probably to most of us. And you get out and go, wait a minute, who, who who's going to teach me about how to do that? And you realize, Oh no, you get to, you get to learn that on your own. And, um, what would you say in your particular role, like on the quality assurance, um, you talked about efficiency and some things like that. Okay. Um, what would you say are some of the the hard things that come with managing the people? I'd imagine some of it has to do with they've got a job to do and they're supposed to be making X and you're from a quality standpoint saying, yes, but also I need you to be taking these samples. I need you to be collecting this data. And they're going, but that's getting in the way of, you know, me actually getting quote my job done well what's what's that experience like yeah yeah well quality assurance is a multidisciplinary um field i i work and train with every person in the plant here when we have um a new process if we have a new process line coming on i don't just work with my uh, QA team. I'm working with shipping and receiving uh, operations, line leads to understand what are what are the new risks that we're going to be facing um, and what are our approach to them. Um, so, and when I talked about auditing, it's it's not just me. It's it's the entire plan. It's the entire team. And so um, it's working together and it's being flexible, but, you know, black and white at the same time. And um that's you know, there. There was no better exposure to that than uh, going through COVID and being in a manufacturing plant. And fortunately, I had about nine months of normalcy before COVID hit, and uh, that was um, that was a new experience on not only an operational efficiency standpoint, but a uh, personal standpoint. There was a lot of stressors that went on, and so you know, 
getting to understand um, management skills and coaching and um, just being a part of a team that's a lot more tight um, at, at a manufacturing plant was was really key. And so uh, that that was um, that was a good exposure. It was good, like I said, hands on learning. And um, like I said, having a company that supports you on you know, your learning. And I, I've gone through some management training with the company I'm with now um, that that's really helped support me in that the challenging times. And if, what's really nice is e- even though you go through challenging times in management role, um, you can have some real good successes when you have a good team and it, it's very rewarding. Sure. Sure. So in your, in your previous role, um, as you, you know, kind of did a little bit more kind of traveling around and, and, and assisting with various different things that mm-hmm. would come up at different facilities. Did you get much chance to experience um, maybe what you saw, you know, you just described what's working well there for you now. Did you get to experience much where as you kind of looked at different facilities, different operations that the company you were with um, was kind of interacting with? Were there things, you know, that you saw that kind of informed on on some of those things that you've um, you just talked about of, of moving forward? And, you know, were there things that you saw? Hey, I like that idea. But were there also some things you said, oh, OK, now, nah, you know, that's a what not to do kind of a situation? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. You, you can find those in many different, many different ways. Um, but I think the biggest dynamic was finding and uh, going into family operations um, that the owner is in the feed mill every day um, to the the very large operations where they have dozens of feed mills and trying to understand how do they operate 12 different feed mills efficiently and all the same way. Um, it, that dynamic was very interesting. Um, it's, it's um, I'm sure challenging. I wish I had a little bit more experience on that, but I think looking at, you know, the, the family farm, the, the operations that were, you know, very hands-on to uh, the very large operations and understanding that, you know, uh, it's, it was just, you know, a, a larger dynamic to, to understand how they were running more efficiently. And so I, I worked with a smaller company and now I work with a, a much larger one. And so I see that as well when we look at, um, you know, being efficient and working together. Um, and so that, those were the kind of dynamics that I saw. Yeah. Did, I suppose kind of, kind of going down that road a little more, the, what are, what do you think are some of the you know advantages to either being because obviously as you just referenced in in the feed industry especially um, and, and to some extent in the pet food industry um, but certainly in the feed industry we have everything from you know small single operator independent to um, small and large dozens of feed mills to on like the the swine or poultry integrator side. Only, you know, maybe five or six feed mills uh, for each one of those companies, but they're the largest ones we have in the entire country. And some of them are pushing largest in the world, right? Uh Um, So, and now you're in a role, like you said, where I imagine you've got, you know, you're part of a larger company, but I'm guessing based on the product portfolio and some of what you and I discussed before we went live here, the idea of kind of each 
each facility is its own little microcosm at the same time. So what do you think are some of the advantages and disadvantages that facilities have to deal with when they're either, hey, I'm, I'm part of a larger system, I don't get to make my own decisions, but I'm small enough that I also don't have to, um, you know, take every piece of knowledge I have and then get it spread across the entire landscape of my company. Right, right. Um, I, I use the phrase a lot of uh, reinventing the wheel. Um, I try not to do that. Um, you know, that's that's what I find a lot of support in when I look at uh, the other plants that are within this company is I, I may face a challenge today, but I, I take a step back and think I'm probably not the first one facing this challenge. How have others uh, overcome it? How have others um, tried to maneuver through uh, those those types of challenges. So um, I think working with a larger company has diverse uh, experiences on things. And so that's that's what's helped me on some things that I faced here is I've reached out to other plants and said, hey, I'm I'm facing this challenge. I have a feeling that this isn't the first time. What's what's an approach that you've taken? And uh, and then learning from that. And then vice versa, I, I try to share some of the experiences I'm having here uh, with other plants as well as um, other people in other industries just so that we can, you know, the sharing of information is is key. Um, we, we use a phrase here, um, stealing with, with pride. So being able to uh, use each other's information uh, and, and experiences and, and, and growing off of those. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I like that phrase. I think that's a, I think that's a good one. I, I you know, I, I think that's part of the, the thought process of, of something like this, right. Of, of something like this podcast coming out and, and wanting to do exactly that and say, Hey, there maybe we'll touch on some things that others have either experienced and I've not had a good idea on how to deal with that. And maybe they hear something that they, they, they knew, or sometimes it's just a uh, feeling of not being alone on it going, Oh, someone else has experienced that too. Okay. It's not just me. It's not just a me problem or a, my facility problem. Uh, that's something that others are, are doing as well. So no, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. I think having that um, community, however you choose to build it, um, Back in the old days, you know, sitting at the coffee shop before everybody went off to work, having you know coffee and eggs and and talking about what's going on to today, you know, things like like I said, like a podcast or social media or whatever, trying to kind of spread those ideas is is certainly valuable, whether it be inside a company or amongst companies or amongst the community at large. So, absolutely. Um, if you had to think of some things. Um, and you can put it in a general sense, um, kind of a cross processing, let's, let's say, whether it be animal food, human food, that would be something that you have found that you think is relatively easy, relatively simple, but can have, you know, a high impact that, that folks could start doing tomorrow that seems to make a world of difference. Um, does anything come to mind that, that you would suggest, Hey, you know, start looking at doing something like this and I think it'll make a, a big difference in your facility. That's a very good question. <laughs> and if I if I had a really good answer to that, then I think everyone would, would jump on it. But that's true. Um, <laughs> something that people could do today that would uh, change their. You know, I I I I would go back to the focus on management, working with people. Um, people are the key to. Um, 
your how your day is going to go. Um, you know, I face some challenges sometimes, and it may be internally with uh, employees here to suppliers that I have to give a call to. And um, I think trying managing um, the challenges that you face and putting a focus on uh, improving your management skills, either that through trainings or um, or through reading, just reading books on management, I think can shed a new light on how you approach things uh, because there's no, there's no fix to all the challenges that you're going to face. There's only a certainty that you will face them. And so how you approach those, I think can, um, can really impact your outcome. And so focusing on the bigger picture of, of your approach to them and taking some reference on, uh, management of of your approach as well as the people you're working with uh can can change the outcome of those yeah i think i think that's a great answer and i I tend i tend to agree with you i think that there's lots of situations where you know we we as an industry or individual facilities might focus a lot on oh if i only had this uh this piece of technology or if i only had enough money to to you know buy this new equipment or to renovate this you know particular part of the building or whatever um, and forget that, yeah, how much of your, your day-to-day is, is dealing with the people turning it on, pushing the buttons, taking the samples, you know, packaging, sending it out, whatever, and how much uh, that team can um, help you or, or hurt you depending on how, on how well you manage them and how well they respond to you. So I, I think that's a great answer. It's time for our famous three. You also gave us a, a nice segue there into um, one of the questions that we ask most of our guests, which is if you had a particular resource, something that you've read or, you know, a, a, a website that you use or periodicals that, that you still receive, or I guess we're not receiving a whole lot of magazines in the mail anymore. <laughs> so newsletters that show up in your email inbox, something that you found really valuable um, and it, it could be mm-hmm. on the the you know, actual processing uh, side of things, or it could be on the management side of things. Uh, does something come to mind of, hey, I, I would suggest everybody either go out and, and get this book or sign up for this or whatever the case may be? Sure, sure. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is a newsletter that I read every morning um, called Morning Brew. And it's it's not really related specifically to my position or uh, or my educational background, but uh, it's about what's going on in the world, and it's a very quick snips on um, policy, you know, politics to economic changes that are going on, um, and I like to have a pulse of what's what's uh, occurring on you know around the world that um, that could impact my day to day, and uh, that's that's something I like to have is you know something outside of what I'm working okay. on. So I you know I do get the um, feed science magazines and different things like that. That's good to reference and see what's going on internally, but I also like to see what uh, what's going on outside of my day to day or or work. So um, I think having that experience uh, that type of information um, coming in. Maybe it doesn't have to be daily, but um, keeping an idea of what's, what's going on. But um, I think, you know, reading wise, um, I do have a few books that are, you know, they, they are scheduled for you to read on a daily, weekly basis. And it could be about personal information, you know, personal uh, growth and development. Um, I think 
small reads like that for me works. I, I'm not one to sit down for many hours and, and read a book, but I, I do enjoy um, quick information about growth and development. And um, sometimes I grab it and it's amazing how the the topic or the story relates pretty closely to what I'm doing so or the challenges I'm facing. Uh, and so having a, an outlet like that is is beneficial. So that helps. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I like your I like your comments there on, you know, trying to also be informed on what's going on elsewhere. I, I think there's a lot of value in that for folks. It, it, I, it's good for all of us to be well-rounded, right? And not just kind of live in um, our, our career only um, and then try to avoid the echo chamber kind of an idea of, you know, I'm only hearing what I'm, you know, what I want to hear based on right. what I'm ser- searching. But also it goes, I think, in a lot of ways back to your management um, conversations of those things that are happening in the world, a lot of them are happening to the people I work with too. And so some of those things that may not really have an impact on me, and if it did impact me, I'd know about it because I'd be currently being impacted in a lot of ways. But there might be other other things I'm reading in the news. I think, hmm, I wonder if you know some of my employees might be dealing with whatever that is. Maybe that's something good for me to learn about. Sure, sure. And that that was a big change between the two jobs I had is I was traveling, you know, 75% of the time going to conferences in my previous job. And so I felt like I did have conversations and communications with people that and and kind of understand what was going on in the industry. Uh, You're in the manufacturing plant, you, you kind of get in a little bit of a a little bit of a bubble where you're you're working in the same place and uh, we're focusing on the same lines, same products, same process every every day. And um, so I I did kind of take a step back and try to get a put more of an effort into uh, reading about what's going on and and trying to actually keep t- in touch with people I've um, communicated with in the past. I think that's also really important. Is you never know when that connection will come back. Um, just like you said, I remember, I remember you finishing up your your master's and your PhD, and uh, here we are, many years later, communicating yep. again. So, yep, absolutely, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it is, it, it, our our industry is the definition of a small world. Um, yep. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, all right, one one last question for you uh, before we wrap it up. So, as someone who has had a you know, a successful career already, even though you're you're relatively new into it, but you're you know you're obviously um, on a great track here. What are some of the things that you see as you have worked with others and you know probably modeled some of what you've done off of others? What are some of the things that you see that have really set those successful professionals, um, you know, set them out from from the crowd and say, yeah, that's a person that I, I really want to learn more from. What are some of the things you think you see character trait wise and, and management wise from them? Sure, sure. Um, I think it, the the individuals that come to mind are ones that um, take on challenges head first and. You know, that's that's not exactly my personality. If you know Myers-Briggs, I'm a, um, was it, uh, I, I, be, I, I can't remember the exact ones, but I'm an introvert and I'm not really one for change a lot. And so, um, you know, getting outside of my box and understanding that, you know, challenges and changes are, are like I said earlier, they're going to happen. And, um, meeting those head on. I think those are the people that 
you know, move up and, and are more uh, connected with the industry. And so I, I try to model off of that as much as I can. Uh, I did that when I took a 180 from animal feed to human food. And uh, I'm not going to lie, it was it was a bit scary at first, but uh, I'm, I'm very um, happy with where I am. Um, I'm proud of myself for doing something different like that because, you know, if you would have told me while I was an undergrad that I'd be working in a food plan, I would have asked you what what went wrong but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but here i am and uh i'm really enjoying it and so um those are the kind of individuals that um i i try to you know sit back and watch and see what what are what decisions are they um having to make and and how are they making those um based off of a career based off of you know experiences diversifying your uh resume that that was one big thing for me is you know i i didn't have a specific um direction with the career i was wanting to go down but i knew i wanted to um be versatile, be diverse in in what i'm learning uh and so that's that's kind of where it led me to today excellent well, I very much appreciate appreciate your time, and it was it was great to get to talk to you again. And um, you know, from from there in Manhattan, Kansas, and a place that's near and dear to my heart. As you know, going to school there and growing up there, and obviously coming here from North Carolina, which has become the other place near and dear to my heart. It's always good to kind of have that that connection. I'm glad to keep it, and you're you're another part of that connection at this point. And so it's it's really good to talk to you. So thank yeah. you very much. Thank um, you. I've enjoyed our our conversation. And with that, that'll complete this episode of the Feed Science Podcast. I'm Adam Fernolds, and we will look forward to talking to another guest the next time you join us. Thank you very much. Everybody have a great day. Bye.